Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where you talk crap about the things people love to hate and the hate, hate to love. Oh, heck. Oh, frick, really frick, that frick. Sister Miller, oh, I'm Heavenly so Father glad. Could see me now. I'm so glad because the Lord came to me and told me that we should do this podcast on this episode. Otherwise, we won't get into the celestial kingdom. <laughs> Okay, okay. You'll have to okay, you'll have to okay. you'll have to forgive me if I okay, get any of the disclosure. language wrong cuz there's yeah, a lot of in a fun terminology yeah. floating around. I will say I will under say the banner this of show, heaven. This show Ugh. does not do a good job of a, re- a realistic portrayal of the language, but they do they do a good overview of it. Yeah, so um full disclosure, important to know uh editor's note here um that I grew up in a very orthodox Mormon faith and you know stuck with it until pretty recently and it's the whole thing to unpack I don't know if we'll get into the the nitty-gritty of that journey that that journey for me personally in this episode but boy oh boy <laughs> we're here but boy oh boy there's a lot to talk about yes we're talking about yeah. under the banner of heaven which yes. is a new Hulu miniseries starring Andrew Garfield. It's Bless based on a, um, I guess like true crime slash nonfiction uh, yeah. book by John Krakauer, also called Under the Banner of Heaven. Yes. Um, it's like seven episodes long. Andrew Garfield plays a <laughs> uh, Mormon police officer in Utah. Detective. Detective, sorry. Who is... Uh, Uh, on this investigation of this woman and her child who have been murdered. And it's all sort of set in the backdrop of the Mormon church. And as uh, Andrew Garfield's character named Jebediah Pyrie, um, (laughs) brother Pyrie, Pyrie. uh, continues to move forward through this. Uh, It gets into a lot of the Mormon church past um, and some of the more, uh, outlier kind of sex of the church. Um, yeah. Lots of different stuff at play as he kind of um, like goes through a crisis of faith. And the yes. and the the actual murders are based like that's based a on true a true story. story. Yeah. There's also a section of this that is like Mormon history, which I assume is based on real events. Yeah. Um, and then but his character is fictional and sort of the journey that he is going through is fictional. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this whole thing caused waves immediately because I mean, Mormonism for how like semi mainstream it is to a point, like most people have heard of Mormons because there's the book of Mormon musical. There was the whole, I'm a Mormon campaign, like in major cities, they got billboards, you know, you got your temples, your light, the world, all this stuff. So at least in the U.S., it's a pretty, like, not mainstream at all, but a known religion. And yet they're not really covered in in the 
<laughs> entertainment world very much. The one exception is um, Big Love. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is the... And which Sister is technically wives. oh yeah 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 sister wives that's the one i was thinking of um or no sister wives is the reality no. show yeah sister wives yeah, is the yeah. reality show big love the, was the big HBO love was show. a very controversial show but it was about an, a fundamentalist group that was practicing polygamy and so they talked a lot about mormonism and in fact showed some of this uh the mormonism mm, church stuff and then there's a few like random characters that I remember popping up in mainstream TV shows like uh, just like we're like even in Stranger Things, there's like a Mormon character for a split second. And so that's really it. But whenever there's a Mormon show, Mormons get really nervous, which is, I think, interesting to sit with and ask yourself why. Um, But (laughs) yeah, well, because I feel like I I mean, I had a friend growing up in like elementary school who was Mormon and I was a, you know, grew up in a culty religious group of a different kind (laughs) of like extreme, like rural homeschool evangelicals. And so we were always told like Mormons are bad. They're like going to hell. Like, like they are not real Christians. We will not be taking any part with them them but the crazy thing is like i didn't like i was never told anything about yeah. them i just knew that they were like supposedly bad so when because i then was you'd know the truth and you'd join our church right exactly <laughs> exactly so uh so my parents trying to keep me safe from be- being a mormon uh did not tell very much me yeah. much about things so watching this show i was just continually like baffled and fascinated <laughs> and kept sending you texts and i was like mesmerized and i know a number of people who have watched it and i feel like hmm. for the non-mormon crowd like <laughs> the murder mystery and like the show's quality in general will sort of like all get into that but yeah. i think just like the shock and awe of like this is <laughs> what mormonism is like sort of outweighs <laughs> anything else that is going on in this series yeah i i i laugh because there's nothing like it's like it's like taking a picture of yourself and thinking you look good and then you see it and you're like oh that's a bad angle and I feel like that was watching this and thinking like on the outside now thinking like looking back in and there's a lot in this show that I did not like I'll just say that right up front I don't think I don't think the creator and writer um did a good job i think he got really lost in his own neuroses and his own journey and i think that was a disservice to the very true and traumatic story he was pretending to tell and i didn't like a lot of his choices and he tried to dumb it down in a way that was accessible to the masses because obviously his audience is not going to be mormons because mormons think that this sort of thing is very disrespectful and the the main thesis of this book and now this show is that religion in general, but especially Mormonism, endears itself to violence because it was found on violence. And and that was a very controversial take of the book and was kind of refuted by a lot of different religious scholars. And it was obsessed with this idea that religion begets violence, whereas some people are like, well, violence, violent men might find the appeal in religion, but it might not be like a chicken and egg situation. Yeah. And that's like neither here nor there, because I think there's a room to say that religion is bred from misogyny and patriarchy and all that's tangled up in a in quite a web. But um, the point is that watching this show is very strange because 
a lot was familiar, but then you also feel like kind of defensive of your experience. And it's like, well, this isn't realistic at all. <laughs> like, this I mean, is a I, very weird painting of Mormonism, but then it's also like, I'm, I'm sure it's sort that? of like every television show where the thing that it's about, it doesn't quite get right. It's like doctors yeah. don't like watching like medical yeah. shows. Police don't want like watching police procedurals. Like when I, I, whenever I've watched episodes of younger, I'm like, this has nothing. Like, yeah. This, this is not what being working in publishing looks like. Exactly. So I'm sure that there's like that sort of level to it, just like in general. And also with any TV show, like the number of hands it goes through being made yeah. is, so many and while like the the writer of the show Dustin Lance Black who has won an Oscar and is um Tom Daly's husband it was Mormon at one point yes um you know this this story that it's based on is set like in the 90 in the no 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 like 70s 70s like it's very it's he was not around for this yeah um and so obviously some of the you know like he's telling a story that is like loosely based on sort of his kind of experience in some ways but like is also a real life story that is completely separate of that yeah and that kind of became the frustrating thing is like this story, the true story and the story that inspired uh, the book is really, really sad. And it, this woman, Brenda Lafferty, is murdered by her brother-in-laws um, in a really gruesome way, as well as their 15-month-old. They both have their neck slit and they're they're killed. And, and the, it's a mystery as to why at first. And then it turns out that these these brothers have become fundamentalists in that they're moving away from mainstream Mormonism into more extreme interpretations of the gospel and decide that they're prophets and that they've been called to kill Brenda because she she was leading her husband, their brother, astray and was kind of involved in the the breakdown of one of the brother's marriages. Um, And so they do this horrific crime and the the not the book is obsessed with like how they got there, like how their continued interest in their church was what led to their con- their disintegration into more violence. And the first episode or so, I was like, oh, it'll be like interesting to see Brenda as a character, like given life here, and and it just became more and more obvious that Brenda is not the reason for this show. They have no interest in giving Brenda life or rounding out the characters of these women that he's saying suffered most under Mormonism. It's really about this fictional character, Jed, and his partner, who's also fictional. And it becomes like so enamored with this journey of these fictional men that are obsessed with the very non-fictional Lafferty brothers that it just becomes like distressingly about this crisis of faith for this fictional dude. And it starts to be, feel very disrespectful to the actual murder and the actual victims. And it really bothered me, not only because I felt like the show was not well done, but because the creator was like going on this promo tour where he was like, oh yeah, the people who suffer most are the women, the mothers, the women of this like patriarchal church, they suffer the most and I wanted to give them voice. I wanted to give them 
a chance to tell her story. And it's just like buried in this dude's fake journey where he gets to like, I don't know, project his own crisis onto this fictional character while using a very real story to justify it. Well, it seems to me that, I mean, Dustin Lance Black was a Mormon. He is no longer a Mormon. Yeah. It seems like his, a very big, like, chief aim of this show was to show how his former religion is not real and is destructive in his um, mindset. And so I think that it really goes out of its way in a lot of cases to sort of hit you over the head with like all of the problematic parts of religion in general, but especially this one. And because he's getting that, like because he's spending so much time with that and he sort of has to have like, because the Brenda Lafferty character, like, is kind of has like a little like bit. She, I wouldn't call it a crisis of faith, but she has like a more liberal mindset than like her. Um, She's like a mainstream Mormon, and yeah. they're very orthodox traditional. Yes, yeah. And so she sort of like butts heads against them. Um, But ultimately like she is, her point of view is never like Mormonism is bad. Like she, even as she's dying in the final episode is like still maintaining the, you know, status quo of, of Mormonism in general. And so I think that he had to like introduce a new character who could sort of look at the hypocrisies and be like, oh no, this is, actually bad and and yeah. go through that like crisis of faith that he himself went through um and because of that the story of the women and the <laughs> lafferty's in general is sort of used as a like jumping off point for his own sort of like crisis of faith and then the thing with the story about the lafferty's is that in the <laughs> first couple episodes i think it's more focused on the women a little bit but then but then you get in because it's about their relationships with their husbands and sort of like how problematic those are and sort of the toxic um traits but then as we move into the latter half of the season we're really focused on the fact that these men are sort of like disintegrating and then plotting the murder of these women. And so we're much more following the Mm -hmm. men whose minds are unraveling where these women are sort of like, okay, peace out. Bye. And then there's not like as much character to develop, I guess, because they sort of um, are a little bit more, stable than the men are. well a lot more yeah. stable than the men are but like as characters are more static um and so yeah when when we got to the last episode and we sort of like and brenda shows back up again i was like oh like i forget that she is like one of the top build characters on this show because yeah. she doesn't really have that much to do she's played by daisy edgar jones from um normal people and she's very like sweet and likable but she's not really like given very much oh yeah in comparison to andrew garfield but also sort of like no one is given that much in the show <laughs> like the there's so many brothers and relatives in this mormon family the lafferty's and then there's so many tangential players <laughs> like in this these yeah. various cults 
like culty groups of Mormonism that yes. they like sort of circle cycle through that I had a lot of trouble keeping track of like, okay, who is doing what and which brothers married to which sister. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like it was very convoluted. And I honestly think that the, uh, the, Dustin Lance Black was trying really hard to stick to like a truthful narrative of what happened in that no, timeline. <laughs> really? Oh, I was like, so because I was like, well, because I was like, he should have definitely cut some of these characters and put yeah. some and merged some of these characters because the What's fact that there's this many people needs to get trimmed. He did. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. The only two real brothers are Dan and Ron, which are the main guys. One played by Sam Worthington. Wait, they didn't have other brothers? No, they did. They did, oh. but he like renamed them and kind of mixed them to like have more of them like robin i think is one of their names now yes and there's a then, robin and then obviously alan who's the husband of brenda is real but alan did not have a faith crisis he did not leave the church he is used in this story to be the the jumping point for jeb to like talk to someone who's like spewing the anti-mormon yes. like literature and kind of being like don't you see what this is done type thing and that's not real at all and the the sister characters like Brenda, obviously she is like her family worked with the director and like gave him access to letters and journals that not even uh, uh, John Krakauer had, and so they were like, "Oh, we're excited that she's going to finally have like this story where." she's fully drawn and like we get to see her and they think that this is a horrible rendition of her. It's not at all realistic. She's super churchy in this super like perfect Molly Mormon, like never doubts, like always like pure talks like a little angel. And that's like, she was very playful. She was very silly, very irreverent. And they show none of that. So I think what starts to annoy is that he is like, well, we don't say this is based on, we say it's inspired by. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's fine if you were going to tell a story about like this general thesis of like, what does Mormonism look like? How does a faith crisis work? But to use like an actual victim, like an actual murder of a woman who was murdered for very real reasons that were wrapped up in the misogyny and the patriarchy where this guy used his it's arguable if he really believed he was a prophet or if he was just trying to do this revenge killing when he lost his wife and he blamed Brenda for that divorce and so it's like did they show some of that sure but the show became obsessed with the Lafferty brothers in a way that felt like almost I don't know, not celebratory, obviously, but it was much more concerned with the nuance of these brothers' journeys and their their well, falling apart and their like it, descent that it kind of felt like we were stuck in the the extreme of these zealots, which just made us more focused on the zealotry instead of the actual victims. I don't think it was focused on the brothers. I think it was focused on the religion. Yeah. yeah. And and mm. Well, like on the, on the, like, like the flashbacks, like history. Yeah. And- well, and, and sort of like the problematic yeah. aspects of religion yes. in general. And so I think that the, like, they needed the villains to, like, really clearly yeah. show, like, why 
the author thinks their religion is bad. Right. And so there was just a lot of that. Lots of and, monologuing. <laughs> yeah. And that the and that the wives um didn't have as much time. Like this series is long. Yes. Uh, the episodes are long, but they're only but there's only seven of them. But I sort of wonder if it would have like it feels like it's attempting to do a lot and there's like yes. a lot packed in. And I sort of wonder if it wouldn't have benefited from like being like more spread out or trimmy trimmed yeah. or something. I'm like the, the, the construction of the show itself while I think engaging, I don't, I think is like, it's biting off more than it can chew. Cause it's yeah. hard to follow what is happening a lot of time. Like the whole plot line with like, there was a school and the, yeah. <laughs> the guy with the beards and then like the casino people and the people <laughs> who were, who were atheists who were in the car with yeah. the kill. There's just like a lot of stuff going on that you're like, this should either have been like trimmed out or like expanded so that we knew we could follow what was happening more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think watching this, the best scenes were sort of the flashbacks to Brenda and the brothers and kind of the, the very familiar cringy creepiness of this large Mormon family and their like grit and determination and anything the Lafferty's can do, they'll do type thing. And I thought a more interesting take on retelling this story would have been something like they did with the Waco show a few years ago, where it's it's all set in that in that present and it builds up to the traumatic finale. And I think that would have been more interesting to see, oh, how did this happen? What were these characters? But that would have been easily written off as, oh, this was a one-off fundamentalist family that like went off the rails and like, oh, isn't that sad? And he clearly wanted the bigger picture of like religion is bad thing. And so then I think what he should have done is not focus on the Lafferty's at all and just kind of made a story that was like Like loosely inspired. Well, no, like it could have been a fictional story about a detective who has a faith crisis but it didn't need to be about this true story. And it could have been about what everything else he wanted to talk about, which seemed to be about the like leadership trying to hush bad press and like everything, like every criticism of the church ends up in this show. And I feel like it's just like he needed to slow down and think about what he wanted to talk about because it feels like so much that it starts to lose focus on everything. Yeah, the first half I think is stronger than the second half. <laughs> yeah, it was just and like the, rambling by the end. But I think the first half is like more grounded in what is actually like in yes. the events and is less like about this crisis of faith because so the correct me if I'm wrong on this explanation, but okay. the 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 Mormon Church currently is mm-hmm. a like sort of has for as conservative as it is has a view that the book of Mormon and that like the scriptures um, and the history like has to evolve for the time in some way, shape or form. And that's like the mainstream Mormonism. But then there's the fundamental Mormonism that is saying like, Oh, actually we should be living like, um, Joseph Smith and the Mormon founders did. And any sort of like deviation from that is like giving into secular culture. And so therefore like black people shouldn't be Mormons Mm -hmm. and you should be able to have as many wives as you want. (laughs) And like you should have limited technology and all of this kind of stuff. And the brothers 
who start out as regular Mormons, like because of misogyny and sort of wanting to have more power as, as their lives are sort of like fumbling apart, stumble more and further and further into fundamentalism where they think like, okay, like everybody should listen to them and they should be able to do whatever they want. And they can get these messages directly from God. And that if anybody sort of doubts them, then they're wrong and unbelievers and that they should be punished. And I think, like you said, it would be really easy to look at this story and say, oh, well, the problem is, is the fundamentalist side of things and these couple people who like stumbled into fundamentalism, where Desolance Black is much more focused on that the fundamentalism is sort of a like embodiment of mm-hmm. what is actually lurking at the center of regular Mormonism and that the whole thing is extremely corrupt and based on a bunch of horrific historical incidences and racism and sexism and misogyny. And so the whole thing needs to be destroyed. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was a very studious, like faithful member, but even so I don't want to pretend that I'm like the expert. Um, But yeah, like Mormonism as it's pitched now is, is very focused on, oh, it's a living gospel. Like we're continuing to receive revelation. We believe in a living prophet and the prophet guides the church and he receives revelation that might change. And so, yes, we were able to receive the revelation that polygamy was no longer necessary. And that in fact, it had only been on the earth for a short time because like there were so many widows and women who needed to be taken care of. And like, that was sort of the, the PR angle on it. And similarly, like, oh, we don't know why black people couldn't have the priesthood and couldn't participate fully in the church. But now we received this revelation that they can. And isn't that a blessing and like all that sort of stuff. And so it is very much focused on living like new revelation, but maintaining these like central truths about like, oh, we all have a we all have the Holy Ghost and we're all able to communicate with God. And we have a you know, it's our Heavenly Father. It's like a very paternal relationship we're meant to have. And so what I found compelling about this show were those pieces that is like pulling back the curtain a little bit and like recognizing the mm, sort of, yeah, seedy underbelly maybe of like the strategy involved in the, in the creation of the church and the continued, uh, like, <laughs> Uh, control, like crisis control management of the church and their different ways of engaging in popular uh, discourse. And I think that could have been an interesting show because we don't see a, a dissection of Mormonism that often because it isn't mainstream enough to get the full treatment of something like Catholicism being like so easily understood and whatever. And so it did feel like like I think a show about like Mormon history, like the Joseph Smith Brigham Young of it all would be interesting in someone's hands like this because he does a good job of like asking the questions, but where he struggles is sort of answering them. Like I felt very like it was just so drawn out and everything was just repeated and kind of like, okay, we get it. Like you have problems here. Like, yes, we get it. And I just wanted more focus. I wanted it to be a little bit more streamlined because this just felt like a man who was avoiding going to therapy and was just trying to work it out in the writer's room. You know, like I just, I I also wonder though, if like, if like, 
because I agree with this on some level, but I also wonder if like you have the background of like yes. knowing all of this sort Definitely. of stuff. And so I feel like some of the things like we got over and over again, but that was because like they were very unfamiliar to yeah. me. So when we got them over, I felt like, okay, like this is sort of reiterating that That's this is fair. how this works and isn't necessarily um, like trying to beat something over the head so much as to say like, okay, a lot of people aren't familiar with what's going on here. So let's like do a quick little recap yeah. and, and <laughs> say, so, okay. So I have, I have, I have, okay, I have a okay, bunch yes, of questions, yes. yes, but about the Mormon history stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> it's presented here that, that there's like a version of Mormon history that is given by the church and that there's sort of like a separate worse version (laughs) that is hidden that's much more racist and involves much worse behavior yes is this true that there's like two (laughs) different versions or like what's your experience with like mormon history in general i guess yeah for sure so um yeah it's definitely uh i don't know what we'd call it whitewashed like it's definitely tried there's a definite spin on church history. I, my dad's very, like a very much a historian, like history buff. And so, and I also read this, this nine book series on like, it was like a family drama set in early Mormon church. So it was like a long sprawling family saga, a very soapies type thing. But the way it's presented first level, first level of engagement is we just don't talk about it, right? Like we don't like to talk about Joseph Smith being a polygamist. We don't like to talk about the early saints being like polygamy in general. We believe that's over and done with like, oh, that was a weird blip, but we're not going to acknowledge it. (laughs) The more like accepted historical reading of it up until about 2016 was like, oh, this was something that was done. Like God asks saints to do hard things type thing. Like Joseph Smith didn't want to take other wives, but he had to because God was asking him to. And and we had to reestablish the original Bible truths to, to reinstate the church. But then once that was done, like, you know, just a quick checklist and then it's off. <laughs> We're done with it. Okay. But in, they have tried, Mormonism in general has tried to own this a little bit more truthfully. Um, they released what's called the Joseph Smith Papers, which does pull back the curtain a little bit. And that, that sent like that was part of why my parents decided to leave the church was suddenly these things that they've been told, oh, that's anti-Mormon lit. That's not true at all, was being admitted to in some form, which was like, okay, yes, Joseph Smith did take a few extra wives than we originally told you guys. And it wasn't necessarily motivated for all the best reasons, but like men are, men are weak and like, you know, nobody's perfect basically. And God sorted it out in the end. And so I think in general, the way that the history is presented in the show is unfortunately like true, like it's factual, except for a couple of instances where he took some liberties. Um, but like the Joseph Smith, Joseph Smith being tarred and feathered is a story we grew up, I grew up hearing, but it was always presented as these, these folks didn't like a new church. They just didn't like Joseph Smith. They were tarring and feathering him because they were like, you know, evil and and mean and they didn't believe in God basically. But in actuality, it's because they felt he was a pervert and he was going after young girls. And like I didn't know about that for quite a few years. Yeah. <laughs> um and similarly, like Emma Smith not wanting to be a part of the polygamy and being like, husband, why are you doing this to me? And him being like, 
because uh, I want to, you know, type thing. Like I got a revelation from God. That's obviously very real. We have those revelations still where he's like, yeah, I have to take this wife. Like, sorry about it, but whatever. And like he, there was a very famous, like, <laughs> we have a whole set of scriptures called Doctrines and Covenants, which is the the revelations to Joseph Smith and the early leaders of the church. And so you get to see a lot of these, like, policies being put in place. <laughs> but the the one thing is, like, this Brigham Young storyline where Brig- it's implied Brigham Young led to the assassination of Joseph Smith. That That is not historically verified by any source. That's, like, a rumor. That's, like, a conspiracy theory. Um, what about the storyline where the uh they like get the indian or like they dress up as the yeah that is a bad story that's the mountain meadows massacre horrific i did not hear a single thing about that until i was like in my 20s my dad had you know as a history buff but a very devout mormon it's pitched as the indians attacked this crew and we just we couldn't believe it. Like it was confusing. And and so we were like helping them, but they did it all. And then of course, through the years and through other historians who maybe had less of a slant, it's very clear that it was just an extreme act of violence where Mormon settlers murdered these non-Mormon settlers at, dressed as, in, as Native Americans to try and avoid any sort of, uh, like contamination? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it was more like, yeah, it was like, oh, we don't want them to know about us. We don't want, I don't know. I mean, that's like such a s- horrific story that it really shocked. That was one that like shocked me. And I was like, how did I, how was this never like, I mean, of course it was never addressed. It's like impossible to justify. Um, and it's really, really s- disturbing and I think that's where it's like there's room for a really crazy show about Mormon history because there's a lot that is out there yeah <laughs> that spun is like positive or inspiring but is actually like truly dark and depraved and I think it obviously would be hard to get made because to your point it's like confusing and weird to learn the language or like feel like you understand what their motivation is but the early church history is like full of wild stuff but i honestly think that the early church stuff would be sort of easier to understand because it's come like not like all of the lingo and everything it hasn't been invented yet or it's sort of being invented as it goes so it seems like it would be slightly more accessible (laughs) than jumping into the like real life now mormonism where you're like what are all like like (laughs) like, what is this and where did it come from and why are they doing this (laughs) i think it's hard too with at least with Christianity, one, Jesus was alive a long time ago. So there's not really like records of what he was yeah. saying or doing outside of the Bible. So there's no real way to refute anything. And also um, the whole thing is like Jesus was perfect. So yeah. the like anything that he sort of said or did, you can use as like, okay, well, that's definite and then the rest of the characters in the bible were all obviously flawed and so i don't there's like a there's a like you don't sort of have to hide anything i feel like because <laughs> the apparatus is like older and you right. and it's sort of like easier to 
like more easily put together. Where with yeah, Mormonism, you're like, okay, well, this person got the revelation, but then they were actually a horrible person. <laughs> so now we have to There's sort of figure of out yeah, how okay. we're going to change all of these things. Yeah. And also, I think one of the things that this show did a good job with about Mormonism, but also I think about religion in general, because this happens a lot in Christianity as well. Like you have these um, books, these doctrines, I think it also happens in Islam, that were written like thousands of years ago in a very, very different time period where these like rules were set out. Well, obviously we live in a different age. So there's some of those rules that you like, like, or have decided we've decided along the way like okay we're not we're not following some of these anymore but we're following others or we're sort of like adapting them or adding new ones but then some of them we're keeping the same and you (laughs) have to kind of think okay well like logically either we should be following what the exact thing in the original was or we shouldn't be followed like right it's like like, otherwise we're just making stuff (laughs) as uh, stuff up as we go along and then it's like well what's the like, what's yeah. the point that anyone can make up anything? So how do we know if any of this new stuff is valid? And I think that the show sort of heavy handedly hits on that point <laughs> as Andrew Garfield's character is like, wait a second. If yeah. the old stuff isn't true, then like, how do I take anything at, um, you know, as true? Yeah. One other thing the show does that's kind of weird, because like Andrew Garfield is a very compelling character. Um but he kind of is like cycles through the same like, oh, I'm doubting this. Oh, my gosh, I feel bad. I want to tell my wife. Oh, my wife is disrespecting me. I'm going to use my patriarchal power to tell yes. her to shut up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like never really acknowledging that. And I think what really took my breath away <laughs> was that in the finale, he's like, it's been four days. And I was like, what? I was like, why did they pack this into such a short time frame? Because I think like the actual investigation itself, it took a few months to capture Ron and Dan. And obviously that doesn't make for good television. But if you're focused on this fictional character's journey anyways, I think if he'd slowed it down and allowed some of these things to kind of like percolate and, and kind of like marinate a little bit, then it would have been more believable and would have allowed for a more compelling journey into that sort of dissonance. Because I liked when he like there was one episode that I think is the strongest where he finally has his breakdown and he's like, I can't pray. And his wife loses her mind. And she's like, oh, "Oh, yeah, I can't Mm -hmm. marry you. I can't stay married to someone who doesn't believe in God type thing. And all of that is very real. There's a real shame in like anti-Mormonism lit is something I was warned about as a kid. Like you just if you have something that makes you doubt your faith and that's a bad thing, you can't read it. You can't study it. Don't listen to that. That's the devil talking type thing. And so that that journey, like that confusion and like feeling like everything you've known and now have lost is like a very real and raw place to be, uh, you know, as anyone who's gone through any sort of faith crisis could say. And so I think if they'd allowed it to be more about that and less concerned about hitting these like Hollywood markers of, oh, we're going to go into the woods and there's strangers banging pots and like threatening me in the in the shadows like ah I'm getting caught like oh showdown like all that stuff was made up that was not part of it and he just needed to make a more exciting investigation but I felt like it distracted from his central thesis in a really weird way and I think he kind of lost the plot there a little bit 
there was a lot of sort of action sequences yeah. throughout it. And I was like, this is a very action packed <laughs> Uh, sort of police investigation, you know, where yeah. people are hiding behind things, jumping and trapped out in yeah. places. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that going on. Yeah, um, there's also a lot of pioneer dresses. I don't know why. Like, like the the Mormonism culture elements are definitely like, I don't know what the term would be. Like, like hyper hyper realized so that the the average audience member will like clue into. Oh my gosh, they yes. say Heavenly Father a lot, and like. Yes. Like it's not like we sit around and we like replace God in swear words with Heavenly Father. Like, oh, if Heavenly Father I swear by Heavenly Father, like that sort of thing is very awkward and clunky to hear. But I think it's because he needed to be like, Mormons say Heavenly Father. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch on to that yet? So Well it yeah, it does like the the language especially sort of feels like it's out of the sixteen hundreds <laughs> yeah. at some places. And I wasn't sure like is this at, like do you always address the other people as like brother and sister <laughs> or is yeah. that like you usually don't and but you k- sometimes do and so they're just no, like putting real. it in for obvious <laughs> oh okay okay so see, that was you never like know. oh i'm going over to brother brother smith's house like uh sister smith's gonna let me stay for dinner type thing that oh, was wow. how we referred to like that was respect because we couldn't <laughs> say that we couldn't call him by their first name, but, but then we them, wouldn't like, say Mr. Mrs. and Mr. We'd say brother and sister. What what <laughs> would you address your friends as that? No, no, no. It was it was like no. That was like your church adults. You would say like okay. Oh, would sister church adults Hiram address other adults in that way? Probably in a similar sense where they're like, oh, I called sister sister boyer and she's gonna come help watch your kids on the weekend type thing okay but like but, they wouldn't if you like saw your friend yeah you wouldn't no, be like no, no. ah sister genevieve maybe or like a maybe if you saw your bishop or some like your leaders you'd be like oh okay. hey nice to see you brother peer you know but <laughs> okay it is like that i it was like weirdly triggering to get your text because i'm like wait this is weird isn't it i was like oh <laughs> How do I explain this? Because <laughs> it's just, I grew up doing that. And and the other thing I'll say is like, I didn't grow up in the 80s, right? So I don't know how different the church was then because the church is very good at spinning and kind of yes. doing that. Like they do they do changes slowly over time so that you're, you're kind of gaslit into thinking that's how it's always been. And one of the major things that's a big part of this book and now show is the temple ceremony. Um, oh yeah, which, I have a lot of questions. About yeah, <laughs> the temple is is pitched as sacred, not secret, but we're not supposed to like talk about it necessarily. It's like this is for people who are ready to covenant at the highest level with with God, and okay, yes. it's so, about their like salvation and whatever. So I have so I have questions. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> about this in general. So the temple is that like a is it different from like a church? Yes. yes. Okay. The so temple, you have like ch- yeah. churches normally, and then yeah. the temple is like a separate thing. Yes. The temple is like meant to um, kind of be like the the heaven. Like this, it's a chance to really, I don't even know how to pitch this, honestly. <laughs> it's just like you have to be at your, you have to be, um, what's the word, active. And like uh, there's questions you have to, you like have a, to answer. Uh, that will gain you in. Like you have to be, you have to get a pass basically. You have to get a card okay. that gives you permission to enter. How many of these enter. are there? 
Oh, there's temples all over. I think there's like 300 now um, worldwide. Okay. There's like, there's a New York, every single state in the U.S. definitely has at least one and multiple probably. Like okay. there's a Houston temple. There's like 22 temples in Utah. But then there's a, but then there's a bunch of churches. So there's yes, like, yes, yes, so there's yes, like yes. a temple in Houston, but then there's a bunch there's of like churches separately. Hundreds of church- yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Like there's like six ward, like six buildings in Houston proper so yeah there's like four wards in manhattan and there's three buildings that these wards meet in or whatever and those are just anyone can come you know it's everyone's welcome you bring a friend to church day every it's like very classic meet on sundays you have a sunday school you once invited me to something or another and i was like (laughs) "Mm." i was inviting you to an activity i would never have invited you to a preachy thing i was never that i was never a proselytizer okay i promise you that but we did have like activities that we would do too. But other you than that, you told me, Brother Huff, you must yeah. <laughs> wear these white sheets and then you can go. No, yeah. So the temple is a much more, you have to, you have to be older. You have to be at least like 18 to, to get into this, into the temple. And you, your purpose in going to the temple is to, to complete your covenants. Um, and so it's sort of like the final step in Mormonism. Like, you you get married in the temple. You're sealed to your spouse forever. Your family is then sealed um, forever to live forever in, in the kingdom of heaven. And so there's covenants associated with that. And those covenants are very hush-hush. Um, like I said, Big Love did, did a, showed the temple a covenant thing and that was very controversial i remember when that happened and it was like do not watch this that's so disrespectful it's something sacred they should honor that and to some degree like obviously a lot of religions have their little ceremonies and their beliefs and i believe in honoring those but to pretend that keeping a secret is just keeping it sacred i mean no there's a reason you don't want people to see and it's because it's weird and it's like hard to explain and there's a lot that we don't know why we're doing it and that's still true for mormons today but in this show uh in the 80s like up to the 80s they did this blood covenant which is where they had to swear that they would basically kill themselves if they ever said what happened in the temple (laughs) Oh, which I I did not know. And like, that was not something that was taught to me. And that's been very much stripped away in recent years. And in fact, even the patriarchal language of like, we would covenant to our husbands and our husbands would covenant to God. That's kind of been rephrased to give it a little bit more of a feminist taste, you know, a little twist. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because so much of this is about like power dynamics. And you can see in the like history section, but also in the yeah the just like the family dynamics that it's like They're these like, this men, is my property <laughs> yes are very much like we want to be able to do whatever that we want, and so we've come up with these varying apparatuses to keep everybody else yeah. in line, whether that be like to sort of seclude yourself. So, okay, the, the, the Mormons are here and we're not letting anybody else in or within like the dynamic of, okay, the women have to do whatever the men want. And, and, and especially when you get into the further episodes of it, of like, okay, well, God is telling me to do different things. And then the women just sort of have to like, listen to it. Um, yeah. It, it, it's something that I think is like a, fairly standard power dynamic yeah. that's used across multiple religions and and like most cults and that kind of thing. Yes. But it's um 
but it is like very much on display in this. So wait, in the temple, they're mm-hmm. all wearing these like different <laughs> these like outfits mm-hmm. with these like funky little hats and stuff. <laughs> um, w- did you have to wear these? Like, where did you get these? Do you buy yeah. them someplace? Like, what's the? Like, you can rent them at the temple, or you can buy a set. It's like. I honestly didn't go through the temple that much. I went through like five times total before not anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have as familiar an understanding of it. But yeah, it's like, it's very strange. They've done a lot better of like preparing people to go through because when my parents went through or like some of my older siblings went through, they were like, what the F is this? Whereas mm-hmm. now they have like a whole video where they're like, this is the hat you'll wear and this is what this is. And it's like trying to normalize it's like, it. Uh, and it's like office you. harassment yeah. training <laughs> videos exactly. or whatever. And like, and it's weird. Like that was definitely like a very, that's, that's a very weird experience that it's like, I don't know how I feel about it, like how I felt Were about you, it in like, the moment. Were you like excited when it happened at first or <laughs> like what were you I mean, feelings? it's like a very long ceremony. Like it's an hour long and you're sitting, you can't talk. You watch this video and, and I don't want to like be disrespectful to people who still believe and like I know Mormonism is like, you know, I can see why people stay because I stayed for a very long time and I had a lot of hope for it. And so I'd hate to be like flipping about it, but it is like, it is a very strange experience and it was never a positive one for me. A lot of people have a lot of trauma from it because it is so like strange and culty feeling that it's like, holy shit, what am I aligned with? And that does become sort of a central reason for their deconstruction. Um, But yeah, it's like you, it's basically the story of the creation. And so you, you just like, you kind of walk through this creation and there's a lot of symbolism involved and a lot of like, um, yeah, metaphors and, and, uh, visuals. And part of that is the costuming we wear, which I don't even remember what it was all meant to represent. And I think a lot of it is technically stolen from the Freemasons, but or, or adapted from the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, that was like, it's very strange. And we can talk offline so then, about some of it too. So then there's mm. like, is there, there's like a governing body of people who I assume decide all of this in the church? Like, well, the prophet and then the apostles. Yeah. So we have an apostle, we have 12 apostles and a prophet. Who, how do they get picked? Uh, by God. So it's like, it, usually it's, it's like, uh, since the dawn of time, really, it's been uh, seniority. So when the okay. prophet dies, then the next in line kind of steps up. But all 12 have to like pray and come to terms that God has chosen this guy to be the prophet. And then they, then they leave the church. Okay. <laughs> and so then the, so then that person is the one who's sort of in charge of like, okay, we got to like yeah. fix the yeah. language here. We got to do like, some for PR. For instance, what you, you might've heard of the, oh, I'm a Mormon campaign. Um, and we were very pro I'm a Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. Now the new prophet is like, if you use the term Mormon, you're working for the devil. We are the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You have to call it that anytime you talk about it. And they change their whole branding. Very, very weird. That was like a whole thing too. And so it is like weird to see. I mean, first of all, yeah, it's very patriarchal because you do have 12 men at the top. That breaks down because the priesthood holders obviously have all the power. That breaks down to the the same idea is it's a very like it's not 
it's a very structured organization. So can, every like, bishop. How high can a woman go? No, oh, no. Like, not there's at like all? a stake. There, the women are part of the Relief Society. And so there's a general Relief Society president, but she doesn't have any power. She doesn't have the priesthood. Oh, so okay. she reports to a priesthood holder. And um, what's the pre? What's a priesthood holder? It's like just a, just a man. every man is given the priesthood at like twelve. Like there's two stages of the priesthood. I'm not. Mm. I'm laughing because I don't. I don't know completely. <laughs> right. Like it wasn't ever a thing I had to concern myself with. Uh-huh. Um, but there's like two stages of the priesthood: the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood, which I think is in. The, it's okay. definitely in the Bible, and it was restored through Joseph Smith. I don't know yes, because the, we believe Melchizedek is a <laughs> oh like like yeah, yeah like Aaron and Melchizedek yes we're both yeah. <laughs> yes that is because true. like I the whole point of Mormonism is that it's there's still a prophet today and so the prophet manages through these priesthood holders who well the God manages through the priesthood holders and so they're given priesthood they're given power like like leaders of old like Bible leaders so okay whereas most Christianity believes that Christianity kind of like like stopped with Jesus, right? Like there yes. isn't there isn't active prophets anymore. No. It's like, oh, this is a continuation of that blip. So after the dark ages, Mormonism came and now we're back to it. That's so a really then, cliff notes version. So then this the prophet, <laughs> like they just like they just live someplace and sort of just like get divisions and things. Yeah, so or, that's what's like weird because it's not your traditional cult, right? And people will argue left and right if Mormonism fits the definition of like the bite model of cultism. And I, it's hard because it's not like your usual like, oh, I'm buying million dollar houses and boats and private jets yes. and living a life of luxury. They do definitely have privileges and they're paid for and they live in nice houses in, in Salt Lake, but they all come from wealth too. And basically... Yeah, I could go off on all that. I don't know if it's relevant to this episode, but so the the church leadership is is based in Salt Lake City, Utah, and what you see in this show is kind of this trickling down where Brenda did write a letter to the church of the headquarters at the time to warn them that oh these guys are going a little cuckoo extreme might might want to put mm-hmm. them in place, and the brothers were excommunicated um, because they were refusing to like play by the laws of the land which is mm-hmm. technically a central tenet of our faith is that we we believe in uh, there's like a whole list of articles of faith that we like strive to live by and one of them is you you obey the laws of the land and so they were excommunicated not for abusing their wives not for being psychopaths but for kind of uh using their psycho beliefs to say the church doesn't want people to pay tithing anymore so it's kind of like oh i mean not pay tithe. they don't want to pay taxes anymore yes so uh-huh. that's why they were excommunicated and i think that was what he was trying to say is like these men are lazy hypocrites but the real problem is that they're using their power to hurt women and the men in the church don't care about that they just right. care about the bottom line and how they look to the public is is that true in general? Do I think? mean, I don't know. I didn't read the book. And so I don't know like how much of this is factual. He's not a, he's, he took a lot of liberties. So I don't know. I think that p- detail is true, but I wish he would have focused on that hypocrisy because there is a lot of like power dynamics in, in Mormonism and any patriarchal faith and, and structure. And I felt like the, this was just constantly doing a disservice to these women because it just like, underwrit wrote them to focus on wow look at how crazy these dudes are and i think the more 
anxiety inducing moments were when when the patriarch of the family, the like old dad was like trying to be a good guy, but was clearly kind of unhinged in his own way. And that was a much more familiar brand of Mormonism that I think that like toxic positivity and that like weird, like benevolent sexism is damaging a lot more widestream than you get those suddenly I'm a prophet and I want to take wives thing. Right. So I wish there'd been more of that because instead you just got these men monologuing about their own journeys and their own faith crises. And like, and like Alan sitting there talking about how, I I don't know, it's like wife's dead, but he's supposed, we're supposed to believe he's like talking about how he had a crisis of faith and like, listen to me talk about Brigham Young for half an hour. It just felt like I I wanted more on the women who were suffering, but it was really just about why the men wanted the women to suffer. Yeah. I mean, the men were so, insane that it's like yeah. you can see the impulse to w- spend more time on them but yes the the female characters were sort of given short trips and i did feel like some of the strongest parts of the show were when they focused on the female like the scene where the husband comes and tells the wife that he's gonna like marry the stepdaughters Ew. um yeah. i thought that was like a very sort of arresting scene and then also when the the wife who ends up going to Florida, like is sort of trying yeah. to like go through the different processes to fix her marriage. Yeah. And she keeps going to these different people in the church and they're kind of like, aren't really like, they're, they're like either not taking her seriously yeah, or like, like you're a woman. It. So yeah. like, yeah, like you, the man has power. I did also wonder, it's sort of portrayed in the show that like, all problems should be handled within the church. Like if you go to the police or you go elsewhere, Mm -hmm. that that's sort of a negative thing. Is that a common practice in Mormonism? I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. I think it's similar to like Catholicism wanting to keep its dirty laundry private. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. hiding how, like, yeah, because there are definitely a hundred percent instances where there's abuse, there's violence, and they're just like, oh, we'll handle this. We'll we'll work with you. Like, whether it's helping the person to repent, and then you're like, oh, well, he doesn't need to go to prison. He's already repented. That sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a horrific problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, yeah. And that's kind of the book's point, too, is that religion breeds this sort of... Uh, for like forgiveness of violence and the sort of support of violence. And like, I think there is room to say like, yeah, religion doesn't have a great track record, right? Like they believe in protecting their own and preserving their reputation at any cost. And that cost usually comes at the, at the women and the children who don't have as much power or voice. Well, the thing with religion as like a basic tenet is that it involves a lot of faith because it's, it's about a supernatural thing that is not, that we don't have like factual um, access to. And so you just, so you're having to trust whatever this religion is, but then when you're trusting the religion, that also entails trusting the people who are sort of like in charge of the religion. And then, yeah. And because of that trust, you, you end up with weird power dynamics where there are some people who have much more power than the leaders have much more power than the followers and the leaders get to determine a bunch of things and so whether or not any religion is true you it's a very easy setup for people who want power to sort of mimic the 
the trappings of religion mm. or to get involved in a currently active religion to get what they want out of it. Yeah. And that's what's sort of like strange about this is because there could have been a very real easy framing that these men were not actually prophets and they were just using that power to like get what they want. And I think he was trying to show that with Ron, like Sam Worthington trying to struggle about like, oh, is he actually going to kill people or not? But I think it should have been more obvious that these were just men who wanted, who were greedy for power and were willing to do anything to get it. But instead, it just felt like they were overly religious, like overly excited about their connection to God. See, I don't, I did not get that at all. I definitely thought that. But like their whole showdown was like, oh, am I the chosen one? Am I the prophet? Am I the chosen one? And Ron was going to kill him because he wanted to be the chosen one. Yeah, because I think that they were. It's like both the 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 woman like screams it at the rest stop at the end, but that <laughs> yeah. that like the that these men are like they're just taking any excuse like they can to get it. what they want. Yeah. yeah, and so I don't know. Like, there's a certain part of like self delusion that I yeah. think that they have. Like, I don't think either of them, at least in this portrayal, were actively like, I don't believe in Mormonism at all. I'm just going to use this as a right. ploy to get what I want. But I think that they like had deluded themselves into thinking that they could, yeah. like, that whatever they wanted and whatever power that they had was this message from God because they thought that, oh, anything that comes into my head must be a message from God. And so, therefore, like, oh, I think I should do this. Well, therefore, God is telling me to kill this person right. or steal this thing or not pay taxes. And so, but they sort of struggle back and forth and in these groupings because they're, and that's sort of where I had trouble with the show was figuring out like, okay, who is following <laughs> who in these different yeah, scenarios? Was, yeah, the prophet. Yeah, and, sort of yeah. seems to be like getting different signals and and. And you can't, because you are validating your own voice of God, it's hard to then invalidate the other person's (laughs) voice of God without invalidating your own. So there was a lot of sort of weird, like, circling of each other within the brothers of, okay, well, we're both getting messages from God, but, like, we, uh, like, we're sort of at odds with each other, so whose message is actually... (laughs) you know yeah. better i guess it, it was hard because it felt like every monologue was interrupted by another monologue so yes, it didn't feel yes. like there was a there was an emotional flow to it it sort of remind did you ever watch the movie De- the death of stalin a couple of years ago no i think that you would like it okay. um it's it's a sort of like dark comedy about all of the people who are like in Stalin's inner circles, like jockeying Mm. for power as Stalin is dying. And it had a similar element, I think to this where it's like, everybody is uh, like, they're not like openly hostile against each other, but they have to sort of like figure out how they're going to like outmaneuver one another within the same, like, stupid mechanism (laughs) that the other person is using so it's like they can't point out the hypocrisy but they have to kind of figure out how they're gonna like (laughs) screw somebody else over without using that which is an interesting like dance to kind of watch um but yeah i felt like this i liked the series as in 
interesting piece. <laughs> I thought it was overly complicated and it was hard to follow at some points, but I was mesmerized <laughs> through the entire thing just because of how hmm. weird it all was. I and, will say, I and like. Just when I thought it was like, oh, well, this can't get any weirder, it was like, oh, no, nope, yeah. it is. <laughs> I absolutely hated the finale. I thought it was so disrespectful the way they presented her murder like they didn't show it but they show the original attack and they give her this monologue in the middle of it where she's like so concerned about their salvation and like trying to speak to them in their terms or something to spark their original faith and it just like it really bothered me because one chances are she wasn't thinking about that she was facing death she was hearing her child scream she knew her child would die and there's just nothing that's it just felt like a Hollywoodized, sort of glamorized, uh, almost like Shakespearean scene when in actuality yes. it was probably a very bloody, very cruel, very messy, like confusing situation. And it felt like rude to put words in her mouth and then to then give her this final letter, which was completely fictionalized, but inspired Diana to somehow like sneak out of custody to go back to Utah to rescue Matilda to give a speech at a gas station where she too perfectly captures the themes of the show. It felt so frustrating that he fictionalized so much but gave these moments of aha to the only real people in the show that I just felt like immediately turned off by his, by his using of this story because it was like, it felt disrespectful to the women actually harmed. And it just felt like another man masquerading his ideals as like, Oh, I'm, I'm, elevated i understand i'm one of the good men while continuing to wreak harm on actual women he like he clearly just needed mouthpieces for various lines at different points and so was you know just handing them out to different characters (laughs) because the like native american man also gets some doozies as well um the thing that i felt like was a disservice to the Brenda Lafferty character was like, we've spent the whole time in these seven episodes, basically saying like Mormonism is a crock. It's this like horrible thing that these evil men have put together in order to maintain power. That's so disrespectful of women. And then her final scene is basically her like, um, you know, standing up for Mormonism and like kind of using it, like saying that it's true and that they're not, doing a good job at it which like maybe that is how she felt when she died like who knows but it it felt like thematically within the show that since the show is so preoccupied with taking down mormonism and brenda is sort of like the best person in the show the good guy that you shouldn't like align her with the like villain's right viewpoint as she's dying in the finale like i don't know in watching that last scene it was very odd when she started going into her (laughs) monologue i was like i don't like this it feels like it doesn't fit with what's happening and i mean the realism is a whole nother issue but yeah well and it's strange it's strange because then the series kind of like loses its it's balls and it's like oh well if you want to stay in your faith like sure use it to keep your family together like that's kind of how it ends is 
is the partner is able to tell him like, oh, sure, I don't believe in the Native American like uh, like prayer, but I say it sometimes to feel better about myself. And then he goes back home to his family and like embraces them in prayer. And it's like unclear if he's going to follow through on leaving the church or if he's happy to just like continue in this system of abuse because it services him right now. And it's just like, well, what's the point of this story then? Yeah, because it's one thing to kind of stay in something for, I don't know, like general personal reasons. But like, yes, the whole point of this is that it's terrible, especially for women. And he's the father of two daughters. So it's like, if it's bad, he should be trying to get his daughters out of it rather than being like, sure, you can pray, honey. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I, I come from a like my whole family has gone through different faith crises and like I've seen friends, family, like all of this. So I have a lot of sympathy for people who stay. I have a lot of sympathy for people who leave. And like, I know it's very messy. And a lot of people who took a while to leave are like, I'm so grateful my husband supported me. Like, I'm so glad that I was able to go through this at my own pace type thing. So it's like, I get that not everything's like a neat tie a bow on it sort of ending. But to to wrap your story up and not have like a follow through on your main thesis, but then also to not even bother showing like what happened to Dan and Ron, like not even giving a title card of like, yeah, oh, I they were tried we and didn't found get guilty. Those. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here's Brenda's like memorial fund, like none of that. And so it felt like you used an actual crime like an actual victim to tell your story but then you didn't even have the balls to be like yeah mormonism is evil like get the f out of there you know (laughs) with your fictional characters like you had every opportunity to write it however you wanted but it was just like oh i guess we're done yeah Yeah. so all in all i didn't think it i thought it was very like clunky and it's like editing and and overlapping of these stories i didn't think it was well done i think andrew garfield stands a chance of getting recognition for it um but i don't think the directing was great and i didn't like love the overall storytelling um but I also recognize I have extreme biases that could be blinding me. <laughs> I mean, I think that with the Emmys, I mean, we'll get into those when they the nominations come out and stuff. The mini series category is always so competitive these yeah. days. And I don't know if this necessarily stood out enough from the pack in order to get nominated. I think Andrew Garfield will probably get nominated because he was good in this. I yeah. don't really see anybody else because i think that everyone else's roles maybe the maybe the one brother he was kind of crazy dan yeah Yeah. um but yeah i definitely um normal people girl will not be nominated (laughs) um i i thought that it was as someone who doesn't know anything or didn't know very much about Mormonism, i thought it was a very intriguing like look into a world that i didn't know anything about um And then you throw on a true crime aspect. And I found it very watchable. But I think the whole aspect of like true crime and the question of like, are we using these people's like trauma as entertainment is a whole nother question that the media, I think, is only just now beginning to sort of tangle with. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if like 
I'm not sure I would necessarily tell people like, oh my gosh, you have to watch it, like run out and check this out. But I do feel like if you're interested in Mormonism and all, like (laughs) it is an intriguing show to watch. Yeah. Um, And I don't know, like, is there a better option as far as like, (laughs) is what like in tomorrow? I mean, I I guess actually you could watch like the best two years or... There's a comedy called Singles Ward that gives you a little insight into the strangeness of Mormon culture <laughs> without the there's heaviness also, of murder. There's also a lot of Mormon porn. Um, <laughs> if you're on the internet, you can find that. I'm not sure how uh, accurate it is. Yeah. but Book of Mormon, obviously the musical, parodies a lot of this strangeness. My husband really finds it funny. He served a mission, though, so I think it is more up his alley. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Book of Mormon was funny. Yeah. Wait, when did when did Mormons start letting black people in? Like 1978 or something. That is insane. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's a whole truly thing. wild, truly wild. Yeah. Uh, in the in the vein of pride, what is the Mormon posture on gay people currently? <laughs> we love the we hate the sin but love the sinner. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> love that for us yeah <laughs> so congrats <laughs> oh, okay so <laughs> you'd so be welcomed the... you just wouldn't be able to go to the temple or get to the celestial kingdom Ah, uh, damn it i wanted yeah. to wear those wa- i mean <laughs> sorry dang it darn it yeah. <laughs> gosh dang it i wanted yeah. to go wear those funky underwear yeah Sorry, uh, no hope. Well, for you. thank you for um <laughs> for reliving uh, all of your childhood trauma with this, Shelby. Yeah, always um, pleasure. Readers, send in follow up questions. <laughs> we'll be doing a Mormon grab bag um, <laughs> yeah. in the future. Little Q and A next Easter. Uh, so many, so many great things. Yeah. Um, next week we will be um My inducing true more trauma for Shelby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> When she has to watch the new Jurassic yeah. World movie, which she will inevitably despise. So get ready for that. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday with another pop culture roundup. And yeah, we'll see you guys all then. Bye. <laughs>